Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, it's Friday! Happy Friday. Happy Friday, and welcome back to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. <laughs> I'm just trying to change my intonation and inflection every time. I, I guess it's working. I'm, I'm off kilter now. Yes. Got it. Awesome. Well, hey, we are happy that you're with us on a Friday. What are you doing today, Pastor Rod? Friday. Um, it's today. You should know what today. you're doing today. <laughs> you know what I'm doing today? I'm going to open up my calendar because my calendar tells me what I'm doing. Today. Oh, I have On set- Friday because Ooh. it's Friday. <laughs> because yes, today, today, uh, later today, I get to have dinner with Eddie and Stephanie Contreras. Hey, we like the Contreras. We do. They're good people. Yeah, they have lots well, of cool Well, not things. if you listen to yesterday's podcast, but they are now because Christ has redeemed them. So <laughs> that's right. No, that's awesome. In Christ, they're, they're amazing. Yes. BC, all of us are wretches and we are all we those are. things. Hey, that's cool. We've got uh, Pastor Lucas Pace coming into town oh. from uh, our sending church in California. Comes PLP. to Bible Church. Is he alone? Viejo. He's not. He's bringing his daughter. Ooh, his daughter's which one? He's got like seventeen of them. Eighteen he now. Does nineteen and counting or 19 something like that? Nineteen. He's got a TV show in the works. I heard. Yeah, I was wondering for a second there. Uh, Bailey is his oldest is coming out Bailey. with him. Bailey. So now we'll know whether they listen or not. They probably. I mean, don't. it would be so funny. If they never mentioned it at all. Right. But I would not be super surprised. But some of our people, in fact, here's your, your mission. You ready, everybody? Go okay. up to Pastor Lucas and say, hey, we heard you were coming on the podcast. <laughs> uh, and he'll be utterly confused. He and Bailey. That's yeah. cool. That's yeah. So too. they're coming in. I think we're going to go see the Rough Riders game tonight and Uh-oh. yeah, have some fun. And then uh, big weekend in front of us with our super. launch Sunday. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's going to be awesome. We are, are so excited for this and just excited to see who God brings and how God continues to build this church. In fact, uh, we were talking about that this week, just the idea of what we're about with with uh, church planting, that this is a, a kind of all hands on deck endeavor, that we're kind of in that stage where we need everybody jumping in and, and doing their part and inviting people. And in fact, you know, what? if you're listening to this and you have a vehicle, we're going to ask you to do something for us. Oh, here we go. Ready? Yep. We're going to ask you to get one of those pizza hat, pizza hut hats that goes on top <laughs> of your, no, we're not, but we are going to ask you to, uh, to brand your car with compass Bible church with a bumper sticker. We want you to take yeah. one of our bumper stickers. We've got them on Sunday for you. In fact, yes. we'll have them there this weekend, grab one and, and just put it on the back of your car. Um, if you've, not been around our church very much. We did that out in California as well. And, and it worked. It works. People see it all the time. People see it. And then you hear, th- we heard testimonies in the baptism tank yeah. about people saying, I-, I was driving around looking for, f- looking for a church. This I kept seeing your bumper off. stickers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I kept seeing your bumper stickers and I was like, all right, fine. I'm going to go check that church out. And then they come to church and they end up saved. Like how cool wow. is that? That's passive evangelism right there for That's you, right? right? You just put that and it costs sticker you nothing, on your car. Right. Except accountability. Yep. And, and if a you're like more scrutiny. If you're like, oh man, my I, but it's my car and I don't like bumper stick look, man. It's a window sticker to be clear, not a bumper sticker. That's true. It is a window. So it doesn't have that same residue. Decal, I guess. That sounds more fancy. It's a super great decal. It is. It's awesome. But you know, this is your real treasures in heaven, right? If you don't have that bumper stake, that license plate frame, have you seen that? Yeah. Like this, don't be fooled. My real treasures in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. I have seen those. And it's usually somebody driving like a Lambo. hoopty. <laughs> <laughs> hoopty. <laughs> They're like, don't be fooled by this. Like yeah. maybe driving my Pinto, but man, my, my, my real, real treasures real in treasure. heaven. Yeah. Anyways, we'd love for you to put that sticker on your car. If you don't and, have a car, uh, put it on your cat. Yeah. Shave it into your cat. 
Yep, that'd be even better. Give them an actual good purpose in life. And then give your cat away. <laughs> Just let him go roam in the street. He'll be free advertising. Send him out as a missionary. There we go. Yeah, there you go. Hey, we are, uh, let's get to the Bible. Let's get to Psalms. Bible We're, is central. Let's do it. Psalm 75, Psalm 76, and Psalm 77. Uh, we start out in Psalm 75, a Psalm of Asaph again here, uh, and there's do not destroy. So do not destroy was the top Dude, of the charts for quite bop, a while. Man, that, yeah. that, that was a bussin' banger. Dude, I... <laughs> I mentioned bop to my son the other day and he was like, that's not a thing. I said, nobody, what? He was like, people don't call songs. Okay. Bops. Just for, for context, in case they don't know how old your son, 14, 14. He said, there's no such thing as a bop. Yeah. I, I call foul. I'm throwing a flag on the play. Cap. That's, that's cap. Right. <laughs> High key. That's cap, bro. <laughs> Anyways, do not destroy slapped. Right. He, he, was, a, he was a, he was a bop. Oh no. Um, <laughs> But th- this psalm is kind of following on the idea that we talked about last time that like w- when the psalmist was questioning, God, where are you? Was as the wicked seem to be doing okay? This is reinforcing the idea that, that God does judge. And he's said that in verse two is a chilling verse for us. One that we need to feel the weight of when he says at the set time I appoint, I will judge with equity. Look, Ooh. that time is coming. Gives me a chill. Right? Yeah. That time is coming. And for some, that time is running out. Uh, right and and for us as believers there's there's a we're, we're in this tension right because we want that day to come because we want to go be with Jesus mm-hmm. but yet we all have loved ones we were talking about this right before going on to record this podcast we all have loved ones that we are saying god we we want to see them saved mm-hmm. and so there's an element to where we're like okay god extend your patience and long suffering as much right. as I want to go be with you if, if not yet because I want to see this person saved or that person saved or this person saved right. and, and it is a tension because we do, like we talked about last time, all, all I want to desire is to be with Jesus. And yet sometimes there's these, I think, good conflicting desires that we have. Desires, yeah. yeah. But he introduces the concept of God's wrath as a cup here. And this is a significant one for us to grasp in verse eight of Psalm 75. For in the hand of the Lord, Yahweh, God, there is a cup with foaming wine well mixed and he pours out from it all the wicked on the earth shall drain it down to its dregs. Every last drop. Every last drop. And that is the the image of the wrath of God as the the cup of his wine poured out. Mm -hmm. Now, you may have already gone there, but... We will oftentimes, although not with wine, but with uh, other juices, uh, grape juice, uh, celebrate communion together, the Lord's table together, the Lord's supper. And in that little cup, it's the, the idea there is not only the blood of Christ, but also that concept of that, that Christ satisfied the full wrath of God for us on the cross, that the full wrath of God was poured out for him on the cross through the shedding of his blood, Right. And I'm always reminded when I take communion, we do those tiny little plastic cups and you you tip it back and you, you drink it and yet you never get all of it out, right? There's right. always There's a, a little, little bit left, yeah. left in that rim. I and, try it's, to. and it's a thankful reminder for me because I know as a believer in Christ, I don't have to drain it to the dregs. God is our, Jesus has drained it to the dregs for me that when I get to heaven, there's not even that tiny little drop left in the rim of the, mm. the cup of God's wrath for me because it's all been poured out on Jesus. And that means that set time, verse two, that he's going to judge with equity. I don't need to fear that day. That's right. I would make a cross note reference in your Bible, that, that cup analogy, uh, Matthew 26, 39. Uh, that's, th- this is pointing to the future of what Jesus would ultimately do. Now, I, I, I don't know if in your Bible there's a cross reference there. I don't think there is. I was looking at my ESV. I didn't see that. So I would, if I were you, mark it in your Bible. Jesus took the wrath deserved from me. Mm. He drank our cup. And praise God that he did, because without that, we would be likewise condemned forever. Yep. 
Yeah, well, Psalm 76, this psalm here is affirming that no one can stand before the judgment of God. And it's a psalm of Asaph again here, but uh, it's it's praising God's judgment and it's saying in verse seven, you you are to be feared. Who can stand before you one once your anger is roused? And that, again, is a sobering thought for us and should be a, a motivating thought for us when it comes to evangelism. Um, we need to consider well the eternal fate of the lost in our lives and think about what is going to be like for them when they stand before this God. They're not going to be able to. And mm-hmm. so they need God's grace and mercy now through the gospel, and we have that message. And so let's be faithful to go out and share the gospel with the lost. Yeah, I wonder if you're maybe cold-hearted towards some people. Um, if maybe you, you read a passage like this and maybe it doesn't stir your heart as much for people that don't know the gospel, that don't know Christ. Um I would pray for that, Christian. I would pray for that because we never want to allow ourselves to have a heart that's just callous toward the lost. Mm. God doesn't feel that way. Mm. While on the one hand, God exercises his wrath and his justice to rightly execute judgment on the wicked. On the other hand, he does have compassion. Remember Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had splanknon. He had a splanknizomai. He had compassion in his bowels. He felt, thank you. He <laughs> felt for them. He had deep wells of compassion for the lost. Man, if you don't feel that, and I know that there's times when I don't, mm. um, pray for that. That's yeah. that's a bad place to be. And you want to have wells of compassion in your heart, in your soul for the lost so that it provokes you to read stuff like this and say, man, Lord, make me busy with salvation. Make me busy with preaching to the lost and saving and sanctifying. Or not sanctifying, that's the work of your spirit, but to bringing it about in the lives mm. of others. Yeah, you know, I, it, it hit me this week. I was... I think on, on X or Twitter or whatever it's called now, but there was a, a tweet that was sent out of this Canadian pastor. Did you hear about this? Who was arrested recently at home and he was arrested for having preached the gospel during the COVID season. He was there at the trucker rally when there was the whole protest going on there, but it was a heartbreaking scene. It was his son holding one of his other sons, a, a young toddler in his arms oh. as the dad was in the police car, reaching out through the bars of the car, saying oh. goodbye to his sons. And just, they were wrecked over it. And my heart broke thinking about watching that car drive away with their dad. Right. And that's a a different situation. That's something that God is pleased with that man because he's been faithful to him and he's a faithful servant to him. Mm -hmm. If if our hearts moved there, think about the, the heartbreak of the people in your life leaving and departing into eternal damnation. Right. If, if you don't, feel that for them, that, that sorrow, that, that heartache, right? We need to be moved with compassion towards them because it's going to be far worse. Even though our heart breaks for that situation with that family, just that, that gut punch that we should feel over the fate of the lost, especially the loss in your own household. Yes. You have lost ones who have not yet bowed the knee to Christ. You need to feel a certain sense of godly responsibility and and a, and a desire to see them saved. Mm. Um, obviously, for the wicked, the people that you don't know, it's 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 easier to feel distant from them. But remind yourself that unless and until your own kids bow the knee to Christ, they are still at odds with Him. Being in your family, being in a, raised in a Christian family, is isn't a guarantee. Don't presume upon God, but do take the responsibility seriously to 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 preach the gospel to yourself, to your kids. Let it be that you feel that sense of uh, or urgency. Yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah. Well, Psalm 77, you get here a Psalm of Asaph, according to Jeduthun. So I don't know what that one is, but... Uh, I feel like we've heard that one before, Jeduthun. We have, but I don't know what it, how it goes. Too. Yeah. But this one, basically, here you have Asaph, and, and he's saying, look, in the midst of trouble, uh, remember the power and faithfulness of God. 
Um, and the trouble is pretty severe here. Look at verse four. You hold my eyelids open. In other words, I'm losing sleep over this. I'm so troubled. I cannot speak. Will the Lord spurn forever? Verse seven. And again, never again be favorable. His st- has his steadfast love forever ceased. I mean, this is, this is bad. This is the, the, the bottom of the barrel here for him. Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Have you ever felt that way? I mean, David did, right? When he said, man, the arrows of the almighty have sunk in me. This is the, that concept that God is not favorable to me. In fact, he's, he's the one responsible for the, the, the bad that I'm facing right now in my mm-hmm. life. But he goes on and, and corrects, and that's what, what is so good about the Psalms. And again, this is what differentiates the Psalms from Job. He corrects and he says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders, ponder your work, meditate on your mighty deeds, verses 11 and 12. Your way, O God, is holy. There it is, verse 13. So important. We think of holiness, Pastor Rod, often in a morality concept. But talk about the, the concept of holiness uh, here uh, more in light of God's uniqueness. Yeah, holiness has two functions in the scriptures. The first one is the one that you mentioned, Pastor PJ. It references God's uh, moral purity, his rightness, his uh, spotless nature. There's nothing you can lay at his feet as him being guilty of any kind of sin. But the second way that we refer to God's holiness, um, you see revealed at least in, in, in God's revelation to Moses on the mountain in the, the dark clouds and that sense of foreboding, that scariness, but also in Isaiah chapter six, when God reveals himself to Isaiah and the angels are crying, cry, crying out, holy, holy, holy. Mm. You see the foundations of the threshold shaking again, smoke and scariness. God is not like us. And often the, the challenge for us is to even wrap our minds, okay, what is he then? Well, God is God. He's in a class in and of himself, mm. all by himself. There's no one like him. There's nothing like him. Even when we try to talk about the Trinity being like an egg or him being like water, steam, and ice or whatever, the clover. <laughs> or a three-leaf clover, we try to explain God in ways that help our minds say, ah, okay, I get him now. I don't think you should ever get to that place because God is by his very being separate, distinct, unique in a class all by himself. So holiness uh, in one sense conveys his righteousness, yes, but also conveys his utter uniqueness. And because of that, it's it's a scary prospect. It's not something that we're comfortable with. And therefore, when you hear of God's holiness, you must recognize God's in the class by himself. He makes decisions that only make sense to him that we'll never be able to scratch the surface of because he's just utterly distinct from us. Yeah, and I, and I think that's what's in view here in verse 13. So that's helpful distinction there that you made there. Yes, it's his his impunity. You can't accuse him of wrongdoing, but it's it's I think more so, hey, your way is so far above me that you are so different. You are other than I am here. And that's what the psalmist is is confessing. And then verse 20, just the comfort of God and trusting in God's goodness. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Just a, a cool image there of God as shepherd, which shepherd, is one of the most yeah comforting images that we get of, of God in the scriptures. Amen. Hey, let's turn over to the New Testament reading in Romans chapter six. No bigs, just Romans six, the whole thing. Just Romans six, just Romans six. We left off yesterday talking about the end of chapter five that, Hey man, my sin causes God's grace to abound more and more. And so Paul anticipates our objection again. And he says this, what should we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Meganoita. Meganoita. No, but the, the idea here, then it's, it's libertarianism, right? It's like, okay, well then fine. If there's enough grace to go around, then I'm going to keep sinning. And in fact, in a perversion of the gospel, the, the view here is my sin is actually good because greater glory. it magnifies God's grace and he gets glory through that. That's a dangerous mindset. And it's also, 
incompatible with genuine Christianity. And that's Paul's argument here. And he, he brings the concept of death and life and slavery and freedom out in Romans chapter six. So he argues from our identity too. It's, it's not just incompatible. It's about your identity. Do, would it make sense to do that? Right. Right. Yeah. And, and the, the question there, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Um, all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus. Okay. Baptism. Whoa. What are we talking about here? Are we talking oh, about water yeah. baptism? Splish splash. Splish splash. Yeah. No, we're not talking about water baptism. In oh. fact, use the word identity, right? We're talking about that identification that comes with our baptism. It's our, our spirit baptism. We are That's right. placed into, as, uh, as the word baptism means there, placed into his death. Well, we are united, identified with the death of Christ fully. And likewise, we will also be united with and identified with his resurrection that we too might walk in newness of life. And really what Paul's talking about here in the first 10 verses or so, 11 verses there is, look, yes, ultimately our resurrection comes in the future when we are in heaven and in eternity with him, but we need to get busy living like that now because there's a practical reality, a day-to-day reality called our sanctification, which is what he introduces here later in the chapter about that, that should characterize our lives now. That sh- there should be a difference before between who we were before Christ and who we are now after Christ. So you're saying that one of the primary reasons that we were saved is to be sanctified, to be holy. And it seems like that's what's happening here in verse four, right? The purpose clause that Paul offers, he says, you were buried with him by baptism into death in order that for the purpose of, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, here's the continuation of that purpose. We too, those who are now alive in Christ, might walk in newness of life. So we're dead in our trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2, but now we've been raised along with Christ because we've been placed into him for the purpose of, the statements, the mission statement, the reason is that we might walk in newness of life. Right. And, and, and that's, that's such an important concept, right? And, it, and we've even talked about that recently, a couple of weeks ago in church and, and a little bit, even this past week, that, that there's a difference. There's a transformation that takes place in somebody's life when the gospel is truly believed and truly when, right. when somebody repents and believes in the gospel, we are in newness of life, right? It changes us. If your life doesn't look any different after Christ than it looked before Christ, or if your life doesn't look any different as a Christian than the, the, unbeliever that you spend time with your, your, your speech, your, you know, behavioral patterns, things like that. If, if it's indistinguishable, where's the newness of life, right? Where's the, 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 you're living dead and claiming to be alive and it doesn't hold up. And, and here's verse six here. I think there's an important part for us to clarify here. We know that our old self was crucified with him again, identified with his death, right? In order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, Okay, what in the world does that mean? The, the body of sin, what is that? It, it's our old self, right? Our it's, flesh. Right, it's our, our flesh, our sin nature might be brought to nothing. Now, you may have red flags going off out there going, okay, I, I still feel like I have a sin nature because I'm still tempted and I still sin. Oof. Right? Yeah, well, stop listening. Gets Turn it seven. off. You lose. <laughs> no, all done. that's all of us, right? And that's Pastor Rod and myself as well. We, we have that same battle, that same struggle here, right? And yet what Paul's saying here is the power of that sin nature has been taken away. Dealt a death blow. It's been dealt a death blow. It, it, that, that brought to nothing could better be translated perhaps rendered powerless. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. The sin nature is now it, just like a, a, a master that you've been set free from has no power over you to make you do anything. So too, your 
sin nature has no power over you any longer to, to make you do the things that, that you're tempted to do. First uh, Corinthians 10, 13 is a passage to, to ponder with regards to what does this mean practically? First Corinthians 10, 13, the apostle Paul there says, God has not tempted you beyond your capacities. What you experience, your temptation is common to man, but with every temptation, God has provided a way of escape, a way out. And that's the thing. Now in Christ, you have the ability to take that way of escape. Whereas previously under slavery to sin, you had no power to, to be able to resist that. You were unable not to sin. Right. Where in Christ, you are able to not sin. Exactly. And in verse six, Paul says the whole purpose to even reiterate what you're saying. The reason that he raised us with Christ is that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So sin's a mastery, sin's domination over our lives has been effectively neutralized. You have the power by Christ through his spirit to say no to sin and to say yes to righteousness. Right, right. And that's where he goes in verses 12 through 13 then, is now we have the ability to not let sin reign in our mortal body. And instead of presenting ourselves in our bodies to sin, to be used by our sin nature, we can now present ourselves and our bodies to God to be used for instruments or as instruments of righteousness. And then he makes this statement. He says, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. Uh, What does that mean? Right? Well, we're not under the law as a condition of acceptance by God. Now we are under grace for our acceptance by God. So in other Mm. words, the law is not there to be our, the arbiter between whether or not we can stand before God or not. That's what he means there that we're not under the law. Mm. It doesn't mean that the law is taken out. It doesn't mean that the law is no longer applicable in our lives as we've talked about recently. It looks different for us as as believers, but we still have an obligation, a, a duty a responsibility to obey the, the law of God, to, to love him with all of our hearts and to love others as ourselves as that manifests itself in our lives. Amen. And that's where Paul goes when he says in verse 15, are we to sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? Say it with me now. Mega noita. Yeah, exactly. No, again, no, you're not. Because then he gets into this idea of slavery. And, and listen, some Christians believe that we've been set free from slavery to sin and now we are essentially free agents. Mm. That God's just like, let us off the leash and now we can just go. And it's like, oh man, this is so good that I'm not a slave to sin anymore. I can just go. I'm a free agent now. We're not. You go from slavery to slavery. It's just the question of the identity of your master. Who is your master? Right. That's right. And the good news is for us now as believers, we've become slaves of righteousness, as he says in verse 18. But later on, he's going to make it more explicit in verse 22. We've been set free from sin and become slaves of God. There you go. And the, the good is there because he says in verse 21, when, hey, when you were free in regard to righteousness, when you weren't God's slave, what fruit did you really get from that? And the answer is, well, nothing, right? We got death from that. Right. But now our enslavement to God leads to, as he says there in verse 22, sanctification and its end, eternal life. Mm. So it's a good thing that we've been transferred from slavery to sin to slavery to God. Man, Romans 6 is so rich. Yeah. How do we, I, I'm, there's there's parts I want to go back to and unpack some more, but for the sake of our time here, I was going to add one thing. Man. Yeah. I, I, Romans 6 is such a critical chapter. I mean, I could say this for every chapter in Romans, truly, but it's such a critical chapter to understand because it really helps you kind of in your mind reconcile this concept of, okay, so I'm no longer under the law. No, you're not. You're accepted by God, by his grace through faith. And yet that salvation comes with it a, a lot of bonuses. A, a, you ever buy a book and get the free bonuses? Like, oh, you could get this this uh, free chapter and we're going to give you access to our playlist. Do you remember the CD in the back of the book sometimes? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the CD-ROM that came with it. Man, that's old tech. 
But I mean, it's like, a, it's a bonus that comes with your salvation. And it's not only a bonus, but that sense of being able to follow Christ faithfully. It's, 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 I don't know, it's an energizing, fueling force. When you understand what he's done in Romans 6, it will change the way that you relate to the law of God and the grace of God. You will be simultaneously free in Christ to obey more freely at the same time. It's a wonderful thing if you understand Romans 6. If you don't get that, go back through it, read it again until you feel like, okay, I think I'm locking in. Yeah, yeah, so good. The, yeah, man. That, that's the downside to this podcast is there's so much more we could get into in this, but we're not preaching through the book. We're, we're, we're going through the, the yeah, man, but our time continues to get daily longer. Bible podcast. <laughs> this one's not that bad. It's not that bad. 23 minutes, 24 minutes. Hey, we're glad that you guys join us faithfully each and every day. We pray that you join us faithfully each and every day. And, uh, Hey, talk about this stuff with our church family and, uh, and, and use this in your community groups. And even as you're listening to sermons and things like that, hopefully spending time in the word on a regular basis will help you, um, get more out of all of those other venues as well. It's, it's such an important pursuit. So thank you for doing that and joining us with us, joining with us in that pursuit. We'll catch you tomorrow for another episode of the daily Bible podcast. (laughs) See you guys tomorrow. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.